I am, uh, I'm from a, a Baptist background, but that, that song right there almost took me charismatic. Just for, I almost went there. Did you guys love that song? That is phenomenal. I want to say welcome to everybody that's here in the room or, um, or at LifeSpring Church or watching online. Super excited. And one of the things that I love to do is try to figure out things that all of us have in common because we focus on differences a lot. And so one of the things that I think we've all got in common, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, whether, um, no matter where you are politically or whatever, is all of us have probably settled for something less at some point or another. Like we wanted A and A wasn't available. So we took B and we tried to be excited about B, but we couldn't muster up the excitement. Let, let me give you an illustration. Um, growing up as a kid, in fact, if you're, if you're a guy, you never really cared about fashion that much when you were a boy. Um, some never don't care about it now. Um, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because, you know, either your wife dressed you this morning or you just look homeless. But we're glad you're, we're glad you're here. It's a second chance. Um, the first time I ever remember caring about fashion at all, there was this jacket that came out called Members Only. How many of you remember Members Only? Okay. Yeah. Okay. If you just raised your hand, you're old. Um, mine was up. Mine was up, by the way. But I remember like the first one I saw was black. It was members only jacket. And I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta get me one of those. And so my dad, one morning, one Saturday, woke up and said, we're, we're going shopping. And so we went, me and my dad and my stepbrother and my stepmother, we went to a place in Greenville called ABC Jeans. I mean, it was old school. And we go in and the salespeople there, I guess they worked on commission. Um, and this, listen, the, the, the hot chick can sell you anything. Especially if you're a guy, right? Especially if you're a middle school boy. And so hot chick comes over to us and she's like, can I help y'all today? And dad said, we're just going to buy a bunch of stuff. And, and I wanted the members only jacket and they had members only jackets, but they didn't have my size and they didn't have the color that I wanted. And I was like devastated because I wanted that jacket so bad. And I never will forget this. She was like, well, you know, we've got another brand of jacket. And she said, honestly, I like them better than members only. And she smiled. And I, I'm a, yeah, yeah, I'm a sucker. Because um, I was like, really? She was like, yeah. I was like, what's the name of it? She was like, Clubhouse. And some of you are like, I've never heard of a Clubhouse jacket. Exactly. But she was hot. And so, and I was in middle school and I was like, really? And I'm like mesmerized. And she was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she said, I actually like it a little bit better than the members only. And she's like, you know, you should at least just try it on. And I, and I put it on. She's like, oh, that looks so good on you. <laughs> and so I, I say I bought it. My dad bought it. And uh, the next Monday, I walked into Easley Junior High School with my blue clubhouse jacket. And um, middle schoolers are so aware of other people's feelings. It's amazing. I got made fun of all day long. And the, and the ultimate reason is I settled. I settled. I knew, I knew, I knew that I should have held out for a members-only jacket. My dad was going to take me somewhere else. Um, by the way, I never got one. Never got a members-only. And I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad about it. I'm just saying. I mean, it, just, it was just one of those things that I just settled for in, in the moment. And all of us have done that. All of us have said, you know, I'm going to do this or I'm not going to do this. And we kind of back off of that a little bit. And we settle and we settle and we settle. And one of the things I don't want for us as a church, as we're just kind of getting started, is I never want us as a church to settle 
But not only do I not want us as a church to settle, I don't want any individual in this church to settle. I don't want anybody to settle for less than God's best. I don't want that. And so today, we're going to look at a really interesting story, really interesting story, um, and it's told by a guy named Mark, and Mark, Mark writes one of the Gospels. There's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark actually interviewed Peter, who was one of Jesus' closest disciples. That's where he got all his information from. And so Mark tells us this story, and it's fascinating. But in this story, there's going to be three questions that I'm going to ask. And at the end of the message, I'm going to put all three questions back on the screen. And I'm going to ask you to focus on which question stands out to you the most. All right? So we're going to ask, I'm going to ask three questions based on this story out of Mark chapter 8. Here we go. First question. Always takes it just a second. It's a little temperamental. Who do I need to bring to Second Chance Church? Now, notice I did not say invite. I did not say tell about. I said bring. And I know some of you are looking around right now, if, if you're in the room going, where would we put them? I'll tell y'all later. All right. But who do I need to bring Second Chance Church? And let me tell you why I'm asking this question. Because at the end of the day, I have a heart to reach as many people as possible with the gospel. And listen, listen, I'm not talking about good people, moral people. I'm talking about messed up people, M messed up people, messed up people. We had one person raise their hand. Everybody else like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. No, you're not. No, you're not. That's why you're here. All right. So, so Mark's telling this story and he said this in Mark chapter eight, verse 22. They, meaning Jesus and his disciples, came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. Now, I, I find this fascinating. Let, let, me, let me ask you this question. Have you ever been frustrated with someone or something? Yes, the answer is yes. This morning, I woke up. Um, I had a plan to do my Bible and get a good five-mile run in. I mean, I had it all planned. But I got this dog named Chance. Some of you have seen Chance on social media, and you're like, he's so adorable. Nope. This morning, he was demon-possessed. I swear to God, the devil was in that dog. Because as soon as I was like, Chance, you ready to get up? And he's wagging his tail. I was like, come on, let's go. And he went out of his crate. So I went to help him in his crate. And he started peeing, and it, it just didn't stop. It was like, oh, my, what is going on? And how did this come out? And so I'm like, he almost became a wash rag this morning. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I got a little frustrated. And all of us know what it's like to get frustrated with animals. All of us know what it's like to get frustrated with people. Have, don't, you don't have to answer out loud, and you don't have to point. Please don't point. <laughs> but have you ever tried to help somebody and the more you helped them, it just kind of seemed like you were enabling them. I mean, like, you, you try to help them, and then they, they, you know, they're good for a little while, then they veer off. Then you try to help them, they're good for a little while, then they veer off. You try to help them, they're good for a little while, and they veer off. And that's, that's most of us. We have that person or those people in our lives. And at the end of the day, I think that one of the reasons that a lot of people don't get the help they need is because what people actually need is healing before they need help. Because until they get healing, they can't receive real help. And they can't receive healing until they meet Jesus. And when Jesus heals them, then they're able to be helped by Jesus and others. Where do you get that, Pierre? I'm glad you asked. The Bible says that they brought a blind man 
and begged Jesus to touch him. You know why? Because they could help him, but they couldn't heal him. Like they could help the blind guy um, find a place to beg. They could help him get dressed. They could help him with his food, like feeding him and, and giving him some, some water or whatever. But they could not heal him. And I believe at some point it clicked. We can't, we can't help him any more than we're helping him, but we've heard Jesus can heal him. So let's take him to Jesus and let Jesus heal him. And at the end of the day, that's my heart. And I hope that's our heart for this church, that this wouldn't be a place where people just get help. This will be a place where people receive healing. Sometimes healing takes place in an instance. Sometimes it takes place over time. But at the end of the day, the fact that it's taking place is what really matters. Now, here's what's fascinating. In Jerusalem, they had a temple that was absolutely beautiful, like big and ornate and golden. And, and, and as you read through the Old Testament, the temple was a place where the supernatural presence of God showed up on a consistent basis and amazing things happened in the temple. But in order to go to the temple, you had to be perfect. Like you had to be ceremonially clean. There were certain things you had to do. There were certain things you um, couldn't do. You had to refrain from certain things. You had to dot all the I's. You had to cross all the T's. And if you were just good enough, they would let you in the doors of the temple so you could actually worship. So the place with supernatural power, the temple, the place where the blind man could have been healed, here's the problem. Here's the problem. He couldn't go to the temple because he was blind. If you had a physical defect, the religious system of that day actually prevented you from the healing that you so desperately needed. And I started thinking, my God, that's a lot of church culture in America, that you can't walk in the doors unless you got your I's dotted, unless you got your T's crossed. But you know where I learned how church should really be done? When I went to treatment. We got in circles, and we sat together. Nobody was there because they had their life together. We were all there because we were jacked up. And you know what happened in 30 days? People got better because we all started on level ground, and nobody had to pretend that they were good. And nobody had to pretend they weren't wrestling. And nobody had to pretend that they were struggling. And I want this to be a church where we can walk in the doors and be who we are, not pretending, saying, this is who I am. And I might not want to stay this way. But we can't get better. Anyway, 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 the, the, the thing that blew my mind as I was reading through this, just the big thought, the big idea that stood out to me is people who were not welcome at the temple were always welcomed by Jesus. So the lepers couldn't go to the temple, but they could come to Jesus. The prostitutes couldn't go to the temple, but they could come to Jesus. The blind people couldn't go to the temple, but they could come to Jesus. The lame people couldn't go to the temple, but they could come to Jesus. Anybody could come to Jesus, and I want this to be a place where anybody can walk through those doors. Now, don't clap yet because all of us have those people in mind, and if those people show up, it freaks everybody out. But some of the people that you detest the most are some of the people that might need to be here the most. And Jesus loves them 
as much as he loves anyone in this room. And so at the end of the day, who, who, who do you need to bring to church? Now, I know, I know we got a, we got a packed house today. We'll add more services. We'll, we have maximized every square foot of this. We'll, we'll do as much as we can to reach as many as we can because I still believe that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world and I still believe the local church is his bride and I still believe though sometimes the church can be ugly, the church, if you look at it in the scriptures, is beautiful and makes a difference in the world that no government organization could ever make and I believe that because the local church is God's plan, that's the plan we ought to stick to. So there we go. Who are you going to bring to New Spring? Or who are you going to bring to Second Chance? It's in my DNA. I was there forever, right? <laughs> what work does Jesus want to do in me? Question number two. What work does Jesus want to do in me? That's the thing I know about all of us. We all have a next step. All of us. As soon as you don't have a next step, you're dead. I promise. What does Jesus want to do? Now, here's the reason some of us are scared to ask that question. Because sometimes what Jesus wants to do in us, if we're really going to let him do it, it's going to get messy. I'll prove it to you. I want to read this, and it's going to blow your mind. Because it took me 10 years reading the Bible to see this story and to pause and reflect on what it was really saying. Watch this. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. Pause real quick right there. Pause real quick. So there's a group of people that brings a blind man to Jesus. Jesus takes him by the hand and leads him away from the group of people. There's a message there. Some of the best work that Jesus wants to do in us, he wants to do it one-on-one. I'm not saying he's not going to work in this room. I'm not, going to say, I'm not saying he's not going to speak in this room. I'm just saying that the best work that Jesus can do in us, he wants to do one-on-one. So that begs the question, what are you personally doing during your week to connect with God on a consistent basis? Connection. It's all about connection. So some of you, some of you won't remember this. Some of you will. But there was a day where we had this thing called dial-up internet. Right? Everybody that remembers members only remembers dial up internet. And you remember you get on the then you're like and then you're on. Then somebody sent you an email with an attachment. And you click download and like 17 minutes later, like the first section, and you're all excited, but then somebody in the house didn't know that you were on the internet and they picked up the phone and what happened to the internet disconnect and you cussed don't lie you did you cussed out loud lots of times it's okay this is second chance um third chance um but but we lost our connection how easy is it to lose our connection with God in the world that we live in how easy is it I'm not judging I'm saying for, for it's it, how is anybody in this room like you are experiencing the presence of God until you see that person? You're like, man, I just love Jesus. I hate people. Like, like, what, like what just happened to me? You get stuck in traffic. You get stuck in a situation. We, that's why it's so important. Now, this is where typically 
Somebody will list seven thing, 17 things you got to do to stay connected to God. I'm just telling you, what's the one thing that you do during the week that sets your heart on fire for Jesus? Just do that every day. Now, for me, for me personally, for me, I love to read my Bible. I love it. I, I've always loved reading the Bible. For me, that connects me. I, I've got a friend. She told me one time, she said, that confuses me. I'm like, that's fine. What do you love to do? She's like, I like to meditate. I'm like, you, you meditate. Like, I can't meditate because I have ADD. Um, and I said that last week, and somebody hit me up on Facebook and said, I'm so glad that you say things like that because it helps connect. I'm like, I'm not just saying that. I really do have ADD. I'm on meds. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't meds great, by the way? This is the, I swear, this is the service they wear off every week. 9.15, I'm here. 11.15, I'm like, what's up, y'all? How's it going? My people. Oh, yeah, connection. So, so she loves to meditate. I'm like, med some people love to pray. I'm not a good, now I pray, I'm not saying don't pray, I'm just saying, I, people have told me before, put me on your prayer list, and I'm thinking in the back of my mind, if I ever get one, I'll stick you on there, but I ain't got one. I just always go, yeah, dog. I don't, I, I'm not saying, I'm just saying, what is it? Is it a worship song? Like for some people, like getting up in the morning and listening to a worship song for about five minutes, letting that, those words just get in your mind, and just that, that's connection. Figure out what sets your heart on fire for Jesus and just do it five to ten minutes a day and let that begin to carry you throughout the week. Because that's just Jesus taking you to the side wanting to do a work in you. Now, this is where the story gets weird. This is where it gets weird. When he had spit, this is Jesus. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? Let me pause for just a second. So you and some friends are walking around. <laughs> downtown, wherever you're from, you know, easily Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson. And you see a blind guy. And somebody takes him by the hand over to the side and goes, <laughs> you see anything? Like, I'm wearing that boy out, right? <laughs> oh, you said your name is Jesus. Okay, it don't matter to me. Like, that, that's, can we all agree that's messed up? That's messed up. Je Jesus, hold on. You are the creator of the world. You're, you can speak and things happen. You can just wave your hand. But you, sp you spit on the blind guy? Come on, man. You're better than that. What? But you know, I started, I started researching this a little bit. This was not uncommon. Jesus did this before. In fact, the chapter right before Mark tells us this. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of Capolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. So once you got a group of people that understand he doesn't just need help. He needs healing. So they bring him to Jesus, right? They brought him to Jesus, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. Jesus, Jesus, just put your hand on him. That's all, that's all we need. Just put your hand on him. That, uh, see, we don't... Here's the thing about healing. 
a lot of people want to be healed, but we don't get to tell Jesus how he gets to do it. And, and this is how Jesus did it. After he took him aside, remember, that because there's connection, Jesus wanted to do a work in him. <laughs> Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Stop. Can we just call this weird? Jesus is like, come here from here, man. So Jesus is giving the guy two wet willies at the same time. Now, I don't care who you are. You stick your finger in my ear. Like, we're going to go. We're going to go. So he put, put his fingers in the man's ear. So he's standing. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. This is Jesus. This is your beautiful, sweet Jesus that died on the cross, right? Can, can we all agree that this was not necessary? He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him that word, and this, I ain't going to pretend. I don't even know what it is. Failed Greek and Hebrew. <laughs> At this, the man's ears were open, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. And I'm sure he said, what the freak was that? Like, why couldn't you just say something? So going back to this verse, when he said, spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked him, do you see anything? Sometimes healing is messy. Like, for example... Something that Jesus has done in my heart probably over the past three years, and most of you know what kind of what I've gone through, is he has given me way more compassion and empathy for people. Now, before I went through what I went through, I would have told you I was a compassionate, empathetic person. But looking back, I was, I was pretty judgmental. I was pretty judgmental. And, um, but then I went to treatment. And when you walk into treatment, by the way, you're, you don't exactly have the moral high ground. So I didn't walk in there with a Superman cape on. Now, three of my best friends in treatment, one was an atheist, one was gay, and one was a man but used to be a woman. That was a fun conversation. Because he kept asking me, he's like, can I talk to you sometime? Because they found out I was a preacher. And I was like, yeah, we can, we can talk. And he's like, can we, I really need to talk. And I was like, okay. And we, I never forget, we, we sat down. We finally got some time. And he sat down across from me. And, and he looked at me. And he said, so you know I used to be a woman. And I laughed out loud. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> and he didn't. I was like, <laughs> so tell me about that. It was a fascinating conversation. But when he got done telling me a story, he said, I, he said honestly, I said, I don't, he said, I don't want to talk about anything else other than the fact that I have a question. He said, with what I've gone through, and I won't forget this. He said, does God love me? I was like, absolutely. He said, oh, I'm asking because I was told by some family members that he didn't. I'm like, well, for, first of all, they lied to you, man. They lied to you. 
God absolutely loves you. Now, once again, the, the, the Christian version of that story is, you know, I lead all of them to Christ and we form a Bible study and eventually it's a, but you know what? That didn't happen. I wasn't out there to change them. I was out there because God wanted to change me and it was messy. But I learned through that experience that you can learn a lot more about people by talking to them rather than talking about them. And whenever I talk about that, people go, oh, so you don't believe this? Listen, I still have convictions. I still have beliefs. I still have thoughts on things. But the end of the day, I realize that the ground at the cross really is level. We all really are messed up, and we all need the same amount of grace to be saved. So at the end of the day, what do you want Jesus to do in you? Because it might be messy. But the mess always turns into a miracle. If he can take a bloodstained cross and turn it into an empty tomb, he really can work out the miraculous in our lives. Which leads to question number three. Is there an area where I'm settling? Is there an area of your life, maybe it's in relationships where you're with somebody and you're like, it's not the best. Maybe it's a job, maybe it's a career, maybe it's a personal decision, and you know it's not the best. You know to make that decision is to settle. This is what I love about this guy. Jesus had just spit in his face, basically, and said, can you see? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. And I'm like, you're blind. How do you know what a tree looks like? So maybe it was, I don't know. I, there's a lot of unanswered questions in this story. But I'm going to be honest with you. The reason I bring this up is because if I'm the guy that just got spit on, I'm telling Jesus, you know what, man, I'm good. I'm good. In the back of my mind, I'm like, I see tree people, but that's more, that's more than I saw before. Because I don't want to get spit on again. <laughs> I want the mess to stop. And we've all been there, right? We want the mess to stop. We want the pain to stop. We want all of it to stop. I mean, all of us have been in that situation. God, make it stop. Make it go away. And, and it's, he just, I love the fact, though, that he looked up and said, I see people, and they look like trees walking around. In other words, honesty is the only way we get to healing. Without honesty, there is no healing. Ever, ever since I got back from treatment, I've had this conversation a dozen times. Will you talk to my brother? Will you talk to my husband? Will you talk to my wife? Will you talk to my son? Will you talk to my friend? Why? Because they are wrestling with some, some sort of addiction, and I feel like they'll listen to you. I want you to listen. They won't listen to me. You know why they won't listen to me? Same reason they won't listen to you. A sick person can't get better until the sick person realizes themselves that they're sick. That's the only time healing can take place. And I love it because this guy doesn't pretend. He doesn't go, I'm good. He was honest with Jesus and said, you know, things are a, things are a little bit better. I see tree people, but they're not where they need to be. He was honest with Jesus. Now, he took a risk because maybe he's going to get spit on again. But, but he was honest. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were open, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. You know why? 
because he was honest with Jesus, and it's only when we're honest that we can receive healing. And then Jesus sent him in a new direction because Jesus always sends us in a new direction. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. In other words, Jesus said, hey, I know you came to me this way, but now I want you to go because Jesus always changes our direction anytime we have an encounter with him. So are you settling? Now, I don't know if you noticed that one of the things that is important to me, everybody has their thing, right? I love shoes. I'm a shoe guy. I got good, listen, I got good shoe game. <laughs> Did anybody notice my shoes when I walked up? <laughs> this is a pair of Adidas Ultra Boost, size 15. Just in case somebody wants to get me something for my birthday. It's not till June, but for these, you better start saving now. Um, yeah, now here's the deal. I'm a Nike guy. I wear Nikes 99% of the time. I, I, just, I just always have. I'm just a, a Nike guy. And, uh, but back in 2017, yeah, my friend, Pastor Stephen Furtick, who pastors Elevation, and they got... And somebody said, are they in Charlotte? I'm like, they're everywhere. They're, they're, they're on Mars. They're on the moon. They got a campus like everywhere. I mean, they're in the great ministry. But Pastor Stephen asked me to come speak for him. Now, I love Pastor Stephen because I think, he is a, I think he's one of the best preachers that we have in the world today. But I also love it because he's fashionable. Like the, the man knows how to dress. He knows fashion like he does. Like he bought me a leather jacket. And Karis, my daughter, loves it so much, she, she sent him a video going, thank you for helping my daddy. And I was like, what? I mean, I pick out good stuff. And she was like, so, so I went to preach for him um, in 2017. One of the things about, cool about Pastor Stephen is he always um, gets you a pretty cool gift when you, when you go preach. And so I walked in to the hotel room they had booked for me, and on the bed was like a little note. And there was a box, and it looked like a shoe box. It was wrapped up, and I was like, oh, my gosh, he got me a pair of Nikes. <laughs> I was so excited, and I unwrapped the box. It was Adidas. <laughs> I mean, I hadn't worn Adidas since Run DMC. <laughs> Y'all remember that? My uh. Adidas. Well, yeah, that's the last time some of y'all like, I didn't know that happened. Exactly. That's how long it's been. And um, I kind of got mad at first because I was like, what? what is he doing? Like, what's he trying to force on me? But I was like, you know what? I've always trusted his sense of fashion. I mean, you know, whatever. And, and then the, the thing that won me over was I put them on. And y'all, this is like Jesus giving your foot a hug. This is the most comfortable pair of shoes that I've ever had. But, but it wasn't what I was used to. It wasn't what I was used to, but it was better. See, whenever Jesus has something for you, it might not be what you're used to, but it'll be better. Because his ways are higher than our, our ways. And his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So if he's saying, if he's putting his finger on something in your life saying, don't settle here, is because he wants to get you 
out of what you're used to and into something new that is immeasurably more than all you could ever ask or imagine. So at the end of the day, which question stands out to you the most? Who do I need to bring to the second chance church? And by the way, if, if a name pops in your mind, that's not the devil. That's the, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. That's what that is. What work does Jesus want to do in me? And right here, typically, I would list out some practical things, but I'm not going to list out practical things because I really want you to hear. If Jesus wants to speak to you through that question, I want you to hear the work he wants to do in you. And number three, is there an area where I'm settling? And if so, would you be willing today just to tell Jesus, I'm willing to step out of what I'm used to and into something new if that's your best for me. With that in mind, let's pray. Jesus, you are good. And everything about you is good, even the parts that we consider messy. I mean, you spit on a blind guy, but he got his sight out of it. So, Father, I pray for the person here today. God, no matter if they're in the room or online or at Life Spring, they feel like they're just going through a mess. Jesus, that you would just let them know in however way you want that you are with us and are mess and are able to take a mess and turn it into a miracle. With heads bowed and eyes closed, what question stood out to you the most? And whichever one it was, just take a couple seconds just in your own heart and speak back to God since he spoke to you. Thank you, Jesus, that your word is true and it's alive. God, I pray for everyone here. I pray for those in this room that Jesus maybe have never received you, never asked you to come in to their lives and be Lord. And right now with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you've never prayed to give Jesus your life, you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, then right now where you sit, in this room or online or at LifeSpring, I want you just right now, if you want to give your life to Jesus, just sitting right where you are, you can just pray to him in your heart and say, Jesus Christ, right now, I give my life to you. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave. Save me from my sins. Right now, receive that payment. In Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer in this room or life spring, would you just right now with everybody heads by eyes, because would you just put your hand real quick? I just want to see and celebrate with you. Hands up. Man, that's awesome. It's awesome. Would everybody stand with me as we continue in prayer? Father, thank you, God, that you have worked today. God, your presence is in this place. Continue with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here and you feel like you need someone to talk to, to pray with you or pray for you about something that stood out to you in the message, then right now, without even looking, I want you to step out of your aisle 
and walk out the back doors of this room because out the back doors are people that would love to just meet with you, pray with you, pray for you in any way possible. Just go right now because there are people moving. You don't have to look around and see because you won't be the first. You just step out of your aisle and walk out those back doors because we would love to talk with you about your next step. We'd love to talk to you about that area where you feel like you're settling in. We would love to talk, not judge you, just listen to you and pray with you. So if that's you and you need to go, you just go right now. There's still people moving, so I want to be sensitive and give people time. Father, thank you for what you've done in our lives and in our church today. We love you. And everybody at the greed said, Amen. hey, next week, next week, I can't wait because we're going to talk about the Good Samaritan and it's going to be so much fun. Um, pray for me this week because my friend that blocked me because she's a Carolina fan still has me blocked. <laughs> Pray that her heart, she's in this room right now. She's listening to me. Pray that her heart would soften in the name of Jesus. Y'all have a great week. God bless.